Hi, Jim here. Thanks for listening to this past episode of the Ski Podcast. Since releasing this podcast, we have a new supporter of the show. The Ski Podcast is now supported by Switzerland Tourism. They will be helping us explore some of the 355 ski destinations across the country, from famous names of Samaritz, Lax, Davos and Zermatt, to the lesser-known resorts that cover their mountainous land. We will be reporting on them and telling interesting stories about the people who live and work there. In total, there are 7,067 kilometres of slopes to ski and 1,800 lifts to ride and at least 80 of them are funiculars, which is good because I do love a good funicular. Well, there's a lot to do, so while we get on with that, you can get on with listening to this episode of the Ski Podcast. Thanks, listener, and thanks, Switzerland Tourism. Hello and welcome to the Ski Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Chill Factory, the Northwest Premier Ski and Snow Centre. And normally I would say there's an interesting fact about the ski, uh, the Chill Factory, but I'm not going to this week because we've got more exciting news. We've got a code for you. And what is a podcast without a voucher code? So if you want to go to the Northwest Premier Ski and Snow Centre, the Chill Factory, um, just go online and pre-book your ticket and use the code SKIPOD10, that's capital letters SKIPOD10, and you'll get a 10% discount off your next session at the Chill Factor. All right, um, can you believe that Ian, he's been quiet this long? It's Ian Martin, he's my co-host. <laughs> Hello, Ian. Hi, Jim. I'm still in shock. That's actually. enough, Ian, that's enough, Ian, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wondering if, because we're Ski Pod 10, that means they've got codes with nine other ski podcasts. Mm, uh, I'm probably going to say that 10 is relating to the 10% discount we've got. Ah, okay, okay, that's a relief. Coming up in this episode, we have updates on Val I've got um, a big announcement. We'll be finding out what it's like to take part in the Super Dry Challenge, or Super Dry is probably how it's probably pronounced and ian will be telling a joke to a comedian um <laughs> first i'd like to start with uh an email i got from you ian and all right yeah it's um it's an email that says something about introducing a new onesie the novo mono ski suit from a company called tobe uh, the email from you says, hey, I think we should test one out for the ski podcast. Shall we ask them? Now, I'm all up for it, Ian, but my question is, who gets to wear it? I'm not sure I want to share a mono suit with you. <laughs> well, we'll have to get two. I've got them in, in different colours. You said it's called Tobe, but I say it's T-O-B-E. So could it be to be or could it just be Toby? Maybe Toby. I was assuming it's like a Norwegian or something, a foreign one. It does say it's designed for Arctic Circle conditions. I'm going to go for Tobe, that sounds... Well, I'll ask them maybe one day. Yeah, this but isn't it, a publicity it, piece for them, we haven't sent them. It's a step well above your normal, your normal onesie. And, you know, you could go for the fuchsia one, and I'll have the uh, Novo Classic Green one. Cool. I mean, as long as I don't have to share it with you. Like, <laughs> I, I wouldn't share a buff. You wouldn't share a buff with someone, would you? No, because there's just so many, you don't need to share them, do you? Well, yeah, you can probably just find one lying on a piece, I suppose you're right. And I, but I would share a slurp from a camel pack. I don't know why. Is that wrong? Uh, I don't think that's wrong at all. Uh, hydration, essential. Can't be too fussy about it. I definitely wouldn't share my chocolate on the slopes with you. No. Um, Ian, do you remember episode 10 of the Ski Podcast, by any chance? I've listened to it regularly, episode 10. is that Was that when we had Jerry on and he talked about seal and sting? 
Yeah, that's right. So um, the, I said in a um, thing, I've got a big announcement. And what it is, oh, yeah. is that I'm going to move to Jerry Chalet in La Clusa. Right. That is um, that is exciting. I am excited. It's um, It could be a, um, a permanent thing for a few years. We'll take our children. They can go to ski school and I can improve my skiing. Um, and if anyone wants to come and stay, there's a whole chalet above us that you can rent. Uh, it's called Le Hirondelle. So just have a look on um, Airbnb if you want to come oh, and stay. With we'll us. put a link. I won't, in the, in I won't the be cooking you dinner or anything. I'll be carrying on working, doing my day job. Right. So I'm quite excited and, and about that. Christian, will people like Sting and Seal come out and stay there? I am going to drop them an email and see if they want to come and stay. Yeah. I do have. I have seen um, Sting's lift pass. In fact, right. I'll send you a copy and we can tweet it out to everyone so they can see what it looks like. What from the days when you had a photo on it? I yeah, it wouldn't be that yeah, interesting stuck otherwise, on would it? No, you'd have to scan it. It'd just say, yeah, it doesn't matter. Um, what about you, Ian? You going to go skiing? Gosh, yeah, I'm definitely going to go skiing. Um, Trip to Lacluza, maybe. Lacluza, I think you know, it should be able to uh, to fit that in uh, at some point. The, the places I definitely know I'm going to be going are Courchevel and uh, the French Pyrenees because I do a bit of work in both of those two places. And then the other places I'm hoping to go, hoping to have a look at that new free ride area in La Rosière, maybe the new Club Med in uh, in Les Arcs at some point. That, that one, that um, Club Med in Les Arcs looks massive. Yeah. And I like the way that they advertise them as villages, don't they? But yeah. They look like a town. Yeah, exactly. Um, and... I'm not sure, I'm not sure you're going to like La Rosière, Ian. Well, I've been to La Rosière a few times. Oh, you liked it, did you? Because it surprises me, because it's one of the biggest producers of Beaufort cheese. And to produce that much Beaufort cheese, that's a lot of cows and a lot of cowbells. <laughs> right. Well, all away. We know how much you don't like cowbells. <laughs> They're all tucked away in winter, aren't they? So you can't, you, can't, you can't see them. I like the fact that you can you know, ski over to Italy, although the link isn't particularly good. But you know, um, on the, um, the Col de Petit Saint Bernard, there's a cafe mm-hmm. there. And the hot chocolates in that place and all the way down there are just amazing. They're the, the sort of hot chocolates where you can actually prop your spoon up uh, directly in the hot chocolate because it's so, so thick. That's solid. So you've got a, you've got a limited amount of time before it solidifies <laughs> in your <laughs> exactly. mug. Exactly. And we'll see what else we can put together. You know, if, if things went amazingly well, I might try um, skiing in the Atlas Mountains in Morocco for that. That needs a lot of things to fall into place for, for that. Wow, that would be exciting. Yeah. I think what I'm going to do when I'm out there, I'm going to use it as a, a challenge to try and... I'm going to think about what I want to achieve over that, that period because I think it's probably good for me to have some goals in terms of skiing and I think that's going to involve some touring and stuff because I'm really interested in that. But I want to try and bring the podcasters some experiences of some of the smaller resorts that maybe people don't know about in the, in the yeah. area that I can easily get to. So I think I'm going to try that. Yeah, that's a great idea. Um, a Grand Bonneau, uh, which is sort of just round the corner from La Clusa, isn't it? That's a really yeah. nice little ski area. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, and last uh, aut- uh, autumn, Easter, uh, we went to uh, Les Saisie and that um, Espace Diamant area, which is kind of on the... You would drive down from La Clusa to Flume and come up on the other side of the Gorge d'Arly. Hardly anyone goes to that area. And uh, you've got little places like Notre Dame de Belcom. Um, you know, lots of lots of drag lifts and things around that area, which you don't often see. In fact, in Les Saisy, they don't even have a gondola. 
No, yeah, it's uh, chairs everywhere, all on all track list. So yeah, I want to visit some of those places, places people don't tend to go. But let's move on from places yep. people don't normally go and <laughs> talk about somewhere that people tend to go a lot. You've mentioned it already today, it's Courchevel. Um, Alex Irwin from the 100 Days of Winter. Um, 100, 150, YouTube. don't sell him short. 150, sorry, sorry Alex. It's going to be a cross with me. Um, here's his report from Courchevel. Hi, this is Alex from 150 Days of Winter with your Courchevel update. As all the resorts in the Alps are frantically getting ready for the opening of the lifts in December, Courchevel has virtually finished an upgrade to the Grand Jet lift from 1550, going from a four-man bubble to a ten-man, including a brand new station at 1550 and the Croisettes. Ready for next summer, Courchevel has just finished a tarmac cycle route over the Col de la Lose at 2300 metres. It will be the 11th highest paved coal in France. More importantly for the internet generation, there will be an automated selfie machine on the BLA chair. You will be able to view your photo on a terminal on arriving at the top of the lift and most likely be able to send it to social media. Courchevel has also installed 26 of the latest generation cannons on the Lac de Creux and Rama Piste, bringing the total number of snow cannons in Courchevel to 700 and more than 2300 over the three valleys. The much-loved Crenoir piste and lift will be non-functioning in 2019. And finally, it won't be long before the results of Courchevel's first attempt at snow harvesting is revealed, and we will see how much has survived from last winter. I, for one, will be waiting with bated breath when they remove the tarpaulin on the Stad slope. And that was your Courchevel update from Alex from 150 Days of Winter. Quite a lot in that report about what's happening in Courchevel. Um... First of all, I'd like to pick up on something. I don't think it is a selfie if a machine is taking it. <laughs> uh, that's a very good point. I mean, that's semantics, isn't it? Uh, I don't know. But Alton Towers have been doing this for years. I've got loads from when I went on the log flume. Yeah. Yeah, I know exactly what right. you're talking about there. Okay. But I'm really interested about finding out what um, is going to be the result of the snow harvesting. I'm, I'm going to assume it's worked, but it's been pretty hot in the Alps. Like, it gets up to 30 degrees out there. I know. I mean, I've read a few things uh, saying because uh, Kitzel um, opened for skiing last weekend, and you know, they're just a really small area available. But they did the snow farming over the summer, and um, yeah, apparently it's worked. And they're the only they're the only place open that hasn't got a glacier, isn't that right? Yes. Yeah. And um, I'm going to say right now, I am pretty sad about the fact there is no crew noir going to be happening in Courchevel this winter that's one of my favourite runs it's a really great off-piste area when it snows um, I mean it's a bit of a dodgy chairlift but do you know what I'm going to yes. say it's not There's worth going it. to Courchevel this year if it's closed <laughs> it's just not worth it yeah, don't bother I mean, anyone I'm, I'm sure people will hike along the ridge to uh, you know uh, access the area hey have we done a review for a while I don't think we have no we haven't done a re- review for a while because our listeners are so busy listening to the show, they they seem to have neglected to uh, uh, review us. But um, we do have a new one on iTunes that I came across the other day uh, by Ski Morillon, or Morillon, uh, to give it. Hi there, hello Ski Morillon. Which is in uh, Morzine uh, area, isn't it? It's a satellite village of Morzine, I think. Anyway, hang on, we're being reviewed by a ski area. Well, I presume they're a chalet company. We might Google them. Shortly. Oh, right. uh, but they gave us five stars, which is nice. Thank you very much. And uh, they said, can't believe I've only just found your podcasts. Absolutely brilliant. 
We love skiing and go back year on year to the Grand Massif. Okay, that doesn't make sense. Uh, I've listened to five of your podcasts today while working. So interesting and informative. Keep it up. Well, uh, that's fantastic. And uh, I particularly like that they've been uh, listening back to uh, all of the old podcasts because there's loads of uh, great stuff on there. Oh, I like the fact they use the words interesting and informative, two things I wasn't 100% sure that we provided. <laughs> but thank you very much for that review. Um, what about some Tour de France rumours? Oh, yeah. Well, this is, this is it's almost not even a rumour. Like, uh, it hasn't officially been announced, and I think it's being officially announced uh, next week sometime. But it definitely seems that the Tour de France next year will be having a stage uh, in the Alps that will finish in Val Thorens. Uh, and not only will it finish in Val Thorens, you know, the resort is the highest ski resort in Europe at 2,300 metres. They're actually going to go through the resort and keep going up. So it's likely the stage will finish at 2,682 metres is the uh, rumour, which is extremely high and that will be extremely tough and along the way uh, it'll come over the Cormé de Rosalin down into Bourg Saint-Maurice along the Tarantès Valley to Moutier and then you may I think Alex mentioned it in his uh, update they've paved over the Col de la Loz uh, the, between um, Mirabel and Courchevel and they'll come oh, over right. that pass as well so that may be why they've uh, they why that road was that. terrible last winter well, I'm not even sure it was a road last winter, was it? I'm not talking about the one between uh, La Tanya oh, right. and La Pra. This is like over the... Uh, I'm with you. So we'll see, but it's almost certain that stage will finish in, in VT. And, uh, you know, that's such a huge thing uh, when the Tour de France comes to your town. I mean, it goes through the Clouser every three years, to be honest, Ian. <laughs> yes. Not really that bothered. What's, that, what's the coal around there called? Is that the Colombier? Uh, the Col d'Aravis. Col Cold Aravis, okay. Uh, cold Aravis, yeah. yeah. Um, I've also heard some rumours, Ian, that the Tour de France is considering changing the dates um, to allow the Alpine section during the winter, uh, <laughs> specifically so it can run on a Saturday. Um, I think they're going to try and squeeze it when it's snowing and the, the route's going to be um, Chambry to Tien, um with special racks on the back of the bikes for airport transfers. Yeah. I think that's going to be a spectacle. Yeah, it probably wouldn't probably uh, wouldn't work that i mean a couple of couple of years ago they did have well actually this is more than a couple of years ago now but they had a stage uh, going from val d'Isere over the col de l'Isaran, which is the highest uh, paved road in certainly in france might be in the alps and it snowed so heavily prior to that in the, even in the middle of july that they uh, they had to kind of uh, cancel that section of it so you can get snow in the middle of summer as well but yeah why not do it in january or february it would be good. Um, now, let's have a talk about people who are really older skiing. Is that yeah, right? even older than me. Older than you? Well, you're only 39, uh, so you're two years older than me, yeah, right? Yeah, my voice sounds uh, sounds younger than it is. Yeah, no, this is a, I saw this article in the... Well, interesting you say that. When I met, <laughs> met Vanessa for the first time after she appeared on the podcast, she was like, oh, I was expecting you to be much older, so I've got a voice <laughs> that... It sounds older, and I obviously look a lot younger. In right. Oh, well, that's good. That's good. Um, yeah, in the Sunday Times, uh, what uh, last weekend, uh, article by Sean Newsom, and what I really liked about it is interviewing <coughs> over sixties learning to ski for the first time, and I just thought it's you know so uh, great because in our industry, 
you know, the ski industry, we read all this stuff about how people aren't taking up the sport and it's only people who are doing it, who keep doing it. And eventually, you know, they're all going to die off. And unless we work out how to get the millennials skiing, you know, skiing is destined to fail. And these are fantastic. Um, I guess 60 isn't old these days, um, relatively. Isn't 60 the new 50 or something? Anyway, people are going on their first skiing holiday when they're 60. Brilliant. It's great news. And it also resolved um, something that's been playing on my mind for quite a while was um, did silver ski still exist? And it does. Um, and then also I found out that it wasn't actually just for old people. I just assumed <laughs> that silver ski was specifically for older people skiing. But yeah, not. you don't you don't you don't have to be you don't have to be uh, uh, old to go with them. But um, but yeah, I guess um... I was also surprised to find out that Saga don't offer ski holidays. I thought they would. I thought that you could go on a Saga ski holiday that doesn't exist. Well, that's I suppose that's surprising. probably probably just a Club Med holiday, isn't it? Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, uh, Club Med, Club Med is Saga. Is that what you're saying? Well, it's a similar sort of thing, isn't it? Mm, lots of families on you. Club Med. They've got you know really good deal with everything inclusive. But that's another podcast. That one. Talking of yeah, other podcasts, indeed. though. You mentioned um, the Adam Buxton uh, podcast about Morzine in our in our last episode, uh, and, did, yes. and you recommended I listen to it, and I did listen to it. And you know what? It was it was as you say, really good. I mean, I mean, I think the most encouraging thing I took from it is that he has sound problems on some of his podcasts as well, uh, despite being a professional podcaster. But um, he went on a skiing holiday with his family, and and really loved it. And that's a great story too. That is a great story. And I think it's important for everyone to go on a ski holiday with their family. Yes. Yeah. And if they if they can, take Dougie from Travis. Yeah, I mean, that was obviously a bonus. I think he just, uh, that was his, his rider. Some people like, you know, freshly squeezed orange juice and some people like orchids and he took Dougie from Travis. Yeah. Um, I don't have a rider. Do you have a rider? Maybe I would. Maybe I'd get a rider. Oh, yeah, I'd, yeah. Um, deep, I'd, deep powder snow. Don't go unless they've got that. Yeah, that's a good rider. I was thinking um, Wigfield. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jim, um, old friend of the show, Steve Angus, has got a report from us. He's going to talk about the dye and the uh, Tête de Soleil in Val d'Isère. Uh, he appeared right. in episode 16 and 19, so quite a long time away. I think it was episode six. He was really, really early on uh, when Steve came on the show. Uh, yeah, I do remember. Episode... I remember because I remember him being quite professional and slick. And I thought uh, maybe you were, you were trying <laughs> to replace me with him. I thought that was your goal. It was like, <laughs> let's get someone who can do the job on and that can be Steve. <laughs> no, that wasn't the case. Cute. And episode 19 was when we talked about, about that new development in Ladai. So if people want to find out, you know, more about it, they can just go back and listen to that one. But um, so Steve's out in Val d'Isere right now. That the main development. There's been two or three headline developments, but the main development that uh, I can see here is uh, the brand new, the Telecabine de la Die. So the new gondola that effectively runs um, the same place that the old uh, slow four-seater gondola ran from down here in la Die uh, up towards the Folly Deuce. This one's a bit different though, it's, um, I can see the new white cabins have arrived, they're all lined up uh, in a row, um, wrapped up um, in their, their covers to stop them getting damaged, um, and the, uh, they should be going on the cable very, very shortly. They've already put a couple on to do some test running, but things are looking very, very positive there, they're certainly on schedule for the opening uh, here in Valdez there at the end of November. 
So the new building um, at the bottom, or the new setup at the bottom, as I said, is very similar to what it used to be. Um, the actual lift station is outside, but next to it, they've built a, a base building. And in there, they're going to have a, sort of a ticket office and some public loos, as well as some administrative offices. Um, it's uh, clad in wood and stone, um, sort of to blend in with your typical um, architecture um, that you see in these areas. Um, it's still got a little bit more work to go on it, but I can see some of the glass is in and the roof is... Uh, uh, virtually all slated up and as I said the cabins actually on the lift themselves are, are going in the um, the new lift will only be six minutes so that's approximately half the time the old lift used to take to run um, right up to um, an area just um, behind so the sort of side if you like of where the folly deuce is now that is significant really from the point of view of the tumors uh, sorry excuse me the folly deuce can actually grow in size even more so whether uh, a bit like marmite you love it or loathe it uh, that is what the plans are um, but the lift um, should be um, completed um, very, very shortly, um, ready for the new lift operators to go and do some test running in the next uh, few weeks. Um, it's a very, very exciting development and will mean that um, uh, starting your ski day or uh, finishing it down here in Ladai um, is a very, very good option. And uh, the actual ability to ski right up to the door so you don't have to take your skis off and walk across the little road, for those people that know where I'm talking about, um, is something that uh, will make it even more attractive. One of the other big things that's uh, been going on this summer, as I said, there's been quite a few, um, is the Tête de Soleil's development. Now, as you used to, uh, back in the day, went up the Soleil's cable car, you used to come into a lift station at the top, and that is where the cable car used to uh, used to bring you out. Now, um, as part of um, a lot of wheeling and dealing in resorts, um, the owners of the, uh, the restaurant at the top there have been allowed to turn it um, through extensive redevelopment into a... And not only um, a new a restaurant, but also a hotel. So it's going to be the highest hotel in Europe. Um, and um, it's going to be complete with all the mod cons like swimming pool and things like that. But there is also going to be sort of dorm style accommodation. Um, so um, if you fancy something a little bit different, staying at an altitude of uh, nearly two, well, nearly 2,700 metres, then the Tête de Soleil's is where it's going to be. Huge amount of building work going on there. Three or four huge cranes have been built up. And they are nearing the end of the work, um, so very, very exciting times up there indeed. Um, it does um, totally complete the um, redevelopment um, of that part of Val d'Isère. The Soleil side, many people would say, was sort of the poor cousin to the Belvard side. Um, and certainly the Soleil side is always the quieter part of the resort. But some of the additions, such as the new Soleil's gondola that went in a couple of years ago, um, the multiple magic carpets up there, as well as last year's redevelopment of the Dacha lift and now the hotel and restaurant up there at the Tête de Soleil means that uh, it's uh, totally been transformed so if you haven't been to Val for the last few years uh, then be prepared for a big change up there a uh, really really good option especially uh, for beginners and uh, poor weather days where you don't want to stray too far from home uh, lots of uh, lots of nice blue runs things like that up there so those are the main developments in Val um, and um, there will be uh, many more to come in due course. Now, I took a few things away from that um, that report, Ian. Well, actually, no, if I'm honest, um, when I was listening to it just then, um, I got a bit distracted when he started talking about you can get to the fully do six minutes quicker. Um, huh. And I tried to find out the fastest person who can drink a pint, and it's a, made, make a man called Peter Dowswell. He holds the record, and he can drink 32 pints a minute. So those extra six minutes are really valuable to him. Um, 
you're gobsmacked by that fact, aren't you? Ian? Thirty-two yeah. points a minute. He must be drinking it out of a, a glass with a very high capacity, or maybe he just has a keg above him. And uh, no, he can do like a glass in under a second, and then he gets slower and slower. And then if I, he can do ninety pints in three hours, which I think is more of a survival thing than an actual physical ability. Okay. To but I think I think you're being a little harsh on the folly deuce there because you know this is. This is alpine clubbing. It's not uh, necessarily boys on tour sinking pints. It's a bit classier than that. No, I, yeah, I totally agree. And I remember it fondly from when I was doing my first seasons in team. We used to go over, catch the last lift back up um, after having a nice time. Yeah, I don't think it's particularly raucous. I think some people obviously do take it a bit far, like Peter Dowdswell. I don't know if he skis. No. No, well, he'd be, probably be buying, well, maybe he wouldn't be buying champagne at the Folly Deuce, but that's much more of a, a thing there, isn't it? And... But yeah, I mean, that's just me being silly. There was lots of lots of handy things to know about the developments in Valdezay, and it's good to see that they really are putting the money back into it, that they, they take off you in lift plus fees. Yeah, yeah, a lot of investment. We're a bit late to this one, Ian. Um, 30 Days of Snow Sports runs to the end of October, so this pod will go out next week. So you've got about a week and a half left to make the most of it. Yeah. Yeah, what not is that it long. All about? What is it all about? Oh, well, it's an initiative by uh, Snow Sport England uh, to try and get more people skiing. And, you know, there are various kind of free sessions that people can join in. So, you know, if you can travel in the past and listen to the podcast, then there's a lot bit more choice. But, you know, if you went to uh, goskigoboard.org.uk, you can find out about free snow sport sessions all around the UK in lots of places. Just trying to get more people into the sport. I think it's well, I've done, I've done just that. And my closest one is 86 miles away. And I will be able to go to Wessex and go for our day roller skiing course. Right, okay. Which, believe it or not, I'm really tempted to do. <laughs> uh, okay, I mean, it's probably probably good good skills for you. I mean, our partner, uh, Chill Factory, uh, this will, you know, you probably missed this, but they've got tele, they've had telemark sessions and beginner ski lessons and beginner snowboard lessons you know, for people to try. Although I noticed that they're on a Thursday, so I guess you'd have to go along as a school trip or something like that. But, uh, but you Maybe know, it's, it's, it's all designed. 60-year-old people who are retired. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that is a very good point. Why am I thinking about uh, the kids when we should be thinking about the the baby boomers who are who are retiring and have money and time? I mean, if I run a ski company, like they've got the money to splash the cash, haven't they? Those 60-year-olds are rolling in it. <laughs> So um, I'm here with uh, Vanessa Fisher, she's a PR for the ski industry essentially, um, but we're not going to talk about that. I mean, she's a passionate skier, 50 resorts, is that right? At least. At least. And we want to talk specifically to you about something called the Super Dry, or I should say it in German, Super Dry? Super Dry. Which is the Super 3. Exactly. I've worked out that, there's maths there, you see. <laughs> what I did is I added it all up. It used to be the Super Fear, but now it's the Super Dry. So first of all, can you explain what that is? Um, so I only found out about the Super 3 the season before last, and it's essentially three amateur, you would say downhill ski races, um, 
where the race circuit, they're pure downhill. These have twists to them, so they might have like an uphill section or just something that makes each race a bit different. But um, one of them I've done a few times before, and that's the Inferno. And some of your listeners might know about that one. Um, but the other two were completely unknown to me. And um, yeah, it was a challenge that I set myself for last season. Is this like the English equivalent of doing the Three Peaks Challenge or something? Yeah, I reckon it was a bit like that. So it involved you know, a certain element of fitness training, a big commitment in terms of uh, time and finances, and even just committing ahead of the winter to those three weekends where the races were actually taking part. So um, let's talk about now why you chose to do it. So I was um, at the Inferno ski race, which, as I mentioned before, I have done in the past a few times. And a friend of mine had actually been the only British person to take part in the Super 3 the winter before. And he just mentioned to me and a couple of friends, oh, you know, did you know that there's actually another two races that form this series? And... um, both me and my husband thought oh that sounds quite good fun something different and then the reality was he approached us in the summer to say did we want to make a team with him and commit to it and we said yes and what um, sort of training do you have to go through to get to the point where you can do it is there a requirement can I just turn up and do it Uh, there is no formal requirement but um, you do you need to be a good ability skier you need to be able to take on like skiing down a slope at speed in control um, and obviously from a fitness point of view the inferno for example has this massive uphill section so some people really take their time to get up it um, but the idea is you know you you are fit enough to be able to I don't know stay in a tuck and hold that for a few minutes and you know get down these long courses in one piece Basically. So this um, the flat, this uphill section, you take your skis off and walk up? No, so in the Inferno, which is the uh, second of the three races, you are not allowed to take your skis off on the uphill section. Um, so you end up kind of spider walking up the slope, and then when you get really tired, you end up side-stepping, basically, up the slope. Um, so going to the first one, which is uh, the Belalp Hexi in uh, Belalp in um, just well it's it is part of the valet region of switzerland i think um it's behind the jungfrau mountains a tiny little village um, but that race is mostly um downhill and so it's more more of an endurance race i would say than the inferno um and the thing that sets that one apart is the hexi is uh swiss german for witch and so it's this huge uh, witches' festival. And um, so sort of unbeknown to us, basically about 200 uh, people descend on this tiny village all dressed up as witches. And it's, it's incredible. The costumes, the prosthetics they put on their faces. It's, um, yeah, a real experience. It sounds a lot less serious than I imagined to start with. Uh, the witches' race is um, actually like a really fun race, and then they have the hexy race alongside, which is for the more serious races. So you get the kind of lycra-clad racers doing the serious bit, which I was, 
and then you have the witches which have their kind of more like a parade and most of them are carrying sort of backpacks full of various schnapps and um, it's like a big party for them. So that was the first one? So that was the first one and that's um, around the second weekend in January and then the second one is the Inferno and that is literally the weekend after. So some of our team actually went from one race to the other um, but uh, me and my husband had to fly back to the UK, look after our kids for three days and then turn around and go back out again. So. Um, you know, emotionally and physically that was a challenge in itself um, we had fantastic weather for the first race in Belal and then when we got to Murren for the Inferno it was uh, terrible weather and they teased us with uh, the news that they might be able to run a more full race but actually in the end it was a really short race and I think it was um, I mean literally three to four minutes where sometimes it can be 15 to a 20 minute race so it was very short um, but they did put in two uphill sections one in addition to the normal one so they made it challenging and the third, the third race? and then the third race um, was in the middle of March in Sasfei um, you strike me as quite competitive I, I like to think that I'm not but actually when it comes to it I really am and I was the only girl within a uh, male team and I was you know keen to not let the side down and get a good time for the team as well yeah. so in terms of times what is the ultimate time not your time the time that it should take um, in well the thing is because every year the races are run depending on the weather so you know each individual race has a different time and a different length and then actually on the day it can be different as well. So, for example, in Sasfei, I think we were completing it in around um, 10 minutes, but, you know, the fastest racers, they often ex kind of local club racers who are down within, you know, five or six minutes. Um, I remember in Murren, it was such a short course. I think our times were about three to four minutes and the winners were down in a minute and a half. In a full course, that would take the winners seven to eight minutes, and for us, maybe 12 to 15 minutes. Very good. Thank you very much. Thanks. Well, in that interview there, Vanessa talks about the Inferno Challenge, um, part of the Super Dry um, Challenge that she took part in. And I know you've done the, the Inferno yourself, haven't you? And how did you find it? Oh, I absolutely loved it. It was amazing. A um, friend of mine, Tim Fork, from Snowsport England lent me a um, uh, a cat suit, uh, which actually it might have been a Team GB or a cat suit uh, from a few years back, which was you know pretty uh, exciting. I felt like a sort of professional, and you just you can get to go so fast. You normally was it, you know, was it obligatory the um, cat suit? It's not obligatory, but um, everyone told me that if you want to get a decent time, then you need to be wearing a cat suit. Okay, uh, but you get to go really fast. Is that what you're saying? Like, there's no oh, one in the way. Yeah, well, because of the way I think you start every thirty seconds or every minute or something, so you do, you know, overtake people. But I had a really good start time because I was a, a journalist. I was early on, so the track was in good shape, and uh, there weren't so many people uh, ahead of me. And you can go as fast as you're prepared to go. <laughs> that's and that's very rare that you have that opportunity on the mountain, and it was thrilling. And I would definitely uh, do it again at some point. 
you do you do I need to train for it? Could I just sign up now? Do you think I'd be all right? I definitely train for it. I mean, I'm quite fit uh, anyway, but um, I but did. But you're a bit more of... competitive than me, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, I definitely wanted to get a good time. But sit, you know those uh, squats where you sit against a wall and see how long you can sit against the wall for. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the sort of thing you need to do because it's it's not the the kind of downhill that you get on um, you know TV where it takes two minutes. Uh, for most people, it's a kind of depending where it starts and where it finishes. It's a ten to twenty minute race, and that's a long time to be in a tuck. Right then. Well, I think I will. I'm going to sign up in. I'm going to go and see our online registration closed for the 2019 event. Oh, gutting. But we can get you in in 2020 for sure because, um, yeah, you know, they're, uh, they're, they're always interested in, in good coverage. And the other great thing about going to Murren is uh, at the where it typically starts uh, is the, um, the Schilthorn where they filmed on Her Majesty's Secret Service and they've got a special little James Bond museum at the top there, which is brilliant. Oh, maybe I'll do it in a tuxedo suit instead yes. of a cap yes. suit. And then uh, and do the theme tune to yourself as you're skiing down. That's, I do that anyway. I get <laughs> that between Ski Sunday. Just uh, That's how I go yeah. down the slopes. Yeah, so um, I spoke yesterday uh, with uh, Phil Nichol. He's a, a comedian who spends a, a bunch of time out in the Alps uh, entertaining people, uh, travelling around uh, different resorts. And so let's just segue into that uh, interview and you can hear what he had to say. Quite a lot. How are you going, Phil? I'm really good, Ian. How are you today? I'm, I'm pretty good. I think you're probably maybe a bit tired. You've been running around on tour just now, haven't you? I am. I'm, on, I'm in the middle of a national tour in Britain, in the UK, and a bit of Ireland. Um, I'm doing about 30, 30 plus dates in uh, 60 days. Right, uh, nice. And ending with a run at the Soho Theatre in London uh, from the November 27th to December 1st. Cool. Okay. Well, I think the, the reason we're talking to you is because as well as playing all around the UK and, uh, and in London, you go out to the uh, Alps and... Uh, cheer people up during the season uh it, um i think that's right isn't it what what kind of resorts do you go to oh well we um we go to uh taking taking the piece is the name of the uh the, the company that takes us around and they take us to places like chamonix um Carcheval, um that we've been to uh three valleys and um Oh, yeah, wait, I think uh, I think um, uh, uh, a little while before I've seen you maybe in the Jekyll in Chamonix. Is that right? That, that was right. Yeah, it was in the, the I think it's called the Hecklin Jekyll, just the Jekyll in Chamonix. It's a beautiful little yeah. chalet chalet gig, and it's down off the, the off the mountain. So it, it's an, and it's a really really popular uh, apres ski, um, uh, like with, with you know with a, a nice warm cozy feeling. They have a little <laughs> fire burning in it. Right. Which uh, is there? uh, Is there any resort where you get more? um, Because that one's obviously called the Jekyll and Hyde. Do you get uh, uh, hecklers in ski resorts? Well, you know what? I personally don't get heckled a lot because my act is quite loud and frenetic. Um, (laughs) I think also there's something that happens to audiences when they're out on the out on the the mountains is that they it it, that gets rid of a lot of aggression. You know, just just putting (laughs) that much putting your body through that kind of a the the, the the skiing and the snowboarding and then B the drinking and the, the, the high altitude means that you don't really have a lot of energy to heckle. Although there has been some really freaky shows with, you know, 
people, uh, you know, people getting <laughs> people getting a little bit too drunk because of the same reason. <laughs> yeah, unbelievably, that can happen uh, out in the Alps sometimes. And so, and so you do your gigs in the evening and then presumably you have all day off to, uh, to ski if you want to then. Well, we do indeed, yeah. I mean, you're, you've got all day to do whatever you want. And I'm the kind of snowboarder that wants to get up first thing and catch first snow. And if it's, if you know, if there's been snow the night before, you know, then you want to get up and, and catch some of the powder. Um, there, but there's a lot of the, there's some of those comedians that go out there don't even ski uh, or, okay. or snowboard. They, they just go and enjoy the mountains. They enjoy the mountain air. They enjoy the nice food. You know, it's a lot, there's a lot more to do than just the skiing and the snowboarding. Yeah, for sure. And do you think do you think skiing is inherently funny, or snowboarding is inherently <laughs> funny? There is something uh, funny about it. I mean, I, I make a joke that uh, skiing. I mean, skiing looks ridiculous anyway, but snowboarding is is uh, it's Canadians that I mean, they discovered the snowboarding because they were high. You know, it was Ross. Uh, I think can't get near it. Ross is his name. Ragalabetti the. The Canadian snowboarder who won the gold while high on marijuana. Oh yeah, yeah. I know the one you're talking about. Who, um, who admitted afterwards that he'd had a spliff beforehand or something. Or That's right. Caught, and the, and, and tested positive. That's right. But they gave him the gold medal back afterwards because all the other snowboarders said, "Look, it's not a performance enhancing drug." Right. Okay. So, so, so I I reckon it was Canadians discovered snowboarding by two stone guys up uh, up a. Uh, getting on a ski lift with a when they get up there they realize they've only got one ski each and they oh well <laughs> we'll just climb on one of those and, uh, and strangely enough as we're talking today i read that um canada's uh legalized uh cannabis that has and in fact it is, it is as of today well it won't be, yeah, it's so, be it'll be in four hours four hours right there's a, four there's hours, a countdown four hours, is four hours and i imagine the ski resorts are going to go nuts yeah, like not, that should not, be interesting. Not only are they legalizing it, but they're legal. They're, some cities are legalizing for you to be able to smoke in public, which means, you know, if you step out of the office for an hour. But it's going to be like alcohol, I think. It'll be, it'll yeah. be, you know, you people aren't going to be going to driving or going to work. It'll, I think, yeah. uh, in fact, Canadians, is, from what I know, uh, people that I don't smoke, but people that do smoke um, uh, t- take it quite seriously and, and use it as a, as a, a way of relaxing as people that drink alcohol so i think they will be as responsible as people that drink alcohol of course yeah well it might it might increase uh, uh skiing holidays uh to, to canada absolutely and, i think, and, I, think... And, um, I wondered i wondered if you'd if you'd ever told a joke with a punchline it was all downhill from there <laughs> well i i don't i've never told written one or told one but there is um there is uh I can't remember who's joking. It might be it might be Harry Hill or it might be Tim Vine talks about his father his father being in the his last legs in the hospital and they they put grease on his back and pushed him out the door and it's all downhill from there. Bada bing, bada boom. Yeah, that sounds like it might be a Tim Vine. That's a very line. very bad, like a very bad pair. I did I did Google around to uh, to see what I could find for the best possible ski joke, and the one I like best was. It says, um, Kevin keeps an animal in his ski trousers. It's his salopet. <laughs> Ooh, nice. What do you think for my, for my first chat of my I, first uh, I, I, go? I think, that's, I think that's pretty good, actually. Yeah, I didn't Google it at all. I made it, I made it up that way. You made that one up? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Cool. So people can see this season. So Lodge de Village is one of the places in Mirabel. And I think the Hotel Montana, you told me, in Latania. Yeah. 
which is, um, you know, you get quite a good crowd in that one. It's, yeah, so the Hotel Montana is, a, is actually a, a big, quite a big resort and gets the uh, a lot of the expats. So it's, an, it's a nice big audience. Um, and it's a yeah. real varied audience. Do you, ever get, do you ever get French people coming to your gig and kind of wondering what you're talking well, about? Well, I, I believe that, believe that uh, Taking the Piss does, does every once in a while has tried to do a French-speaking show, a French-language show as well. Uh, right. But they okay. do, as I, I know that so there's a comedian called Nick Duty. Uh, who's a friend of mine, yes. who is fluent in French, who does his act in French. Uh, and he's performed Nothing. with some French comedians they brought up to perform in the town hall at, um, uh, in Maribel. And for the ski, oh. for the people that work the ski lifts and for the, the local the locals that you know run the town, uh, which I think is a nice a nice yeah. thing to do, and I'm not sure I'm not sure how it goes down. Uh, it doesn't go down with English audiences, obviously, but it goes very go down. Yeah. It goes down very very well. Yeah, no, I think I think that's great. Um, uh, Eddie Izzard has done gigs in French before, I think, hasn't he? Yeah, oh, yeah. I think he was one of the first people to to start it. And I and Eddie Eddie Izzard has was out in Maribel, uh, doing uh doing a show out there. Uh, with a whole bunch of us for for Al, uh, the Altitude Festival when it first started. Right, the Altitude <laughs> Festival. Yeah, it used to be in Maribel and now it's in Meyerhofen. Meyerhofen, right? yeah. It's moved. It moved to Meyerhofen a few yeah, years cool. ago. I think last year they did uh, they did a Christmas special and they're moving it back to January this year. Right. Okay. And I believe, as well as um, you know, stand up comedy, which is your your main job, you've been. You've been uh, also uh, on stage in London recently. Is that that right? is correct. I was in a. Uh, I was in. I spent the whole last year in a musical called "Everybody's Talking About Jamie," which uh, is a fantastic right. new British musical about a boy that wants to wear a dress to the prom. Um, it's storming the West End. It, it's yeah. it's street, it, we streamed it into uh, six hundred and fifty plus cinemas all over Britain, and it broke box office records. For yeah, that. and it's being made into a, a feature film. Um, and the music was written by uh, a guy called Dan Gillespie Sells, who also used to be one of the... Yeah, now people people might know him because um, he used to be, or the, the feeling, I guess, still exists, but he's in The Feeling, the lead singer from That's that. Right. He used to be in a band called Superfly, and Superfly played a lot out in the Alps. Did they? Um, many people who went to regular listeners of podcasts when I used to run a business called Natives and we used to organise parties oh, wow. where we had Superfly playing at them. Amazing. So I have a tenuous connection. Wow, you know. <laughs> tenuous connection to that as well. Well, you can imagine, like, I, one of the things I love about being out in the Alps is that the number of people you meet uh, and from all different walks of life and the, the conversations you have, it's sort of like a conduit for people coming into into the resort and then going out of the resort and Someone like Dan Gillespie Sells was was probably uh, cut his chops being there, getting a great cross section of people, and uh, and writing all those beautiful songs with the band. I think the band Superfly are the band, the feeling, aren't they? Yes. Yeah. Amazing. Exactly. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So they used to, live, you know, they were based for a whole season living out in Latania. Yeah. And uh, um, I think uh, the guy who gets you the gigs out there was organising everything for them and shipping them around the uh, Alps the whole time. So I hope you get uh, it's been made into a film. Do you think um, you were in the uh, stage play? Do you think there's a um, a spot in the film for you? As oh well? well, I mean, they, I have been seen for it. Um, I'm assuming that they will be going with film actors because it's a very. I mean, it's a film. Film is a very um, different sort of 
form of acting. And I think it takes a, it takes a real certain amount of skill. But at the same time, the production company that are making it, uh, Warp, uh, the ones that are they're the ones that made um, This Is England, and they, oh, yeah. they tend to use a lot of unknown actors because they like the they like the people, to, the audience to get into the the story and and watch the characters and not be looking at uh, watching an actor act. So um, there's a there's an outside chance. <laughs> okay, well, I, I hope we'll see you in that. But fa- failing that, people can see you out in the Alps uh, uh, this winter. Yeah. I guess they probably go to the Taking the Peace uh, website or follow you on Twitter, Phil Nichols. Absolutely. Um, and if they want to see you um, before then, yeah. um, I think you've got a couple of dates um, left in maybe Norwich uh, and then that the uh, the final kind of, it's a whole, is it a week in a row? The Soho yeah, it's a whole, I've got a whole week in the Soho oh. Theatre. Um, it's um, yeah. from the 27th of November to the December 1st. The show is called You're Wrong. Yeah. It's spelled Y-O-U-R. That's just a bug everybody <laughs> um it's been going yeah i noticed actually on twitter someone someone missed the irony there didn't they and uh and kind of pointed out that you'd missed that yeah that, and that for me that is the joke that is the joke absolutely but, but i've got some other dates yeah. i've got some other dates across, <laughs> across britain if you want to see me on the 10th of november i'm in birmingham or um 23rd of november oh, yeah. i'm in norwich you know so i've got if you look on my website which yeah. is philnickel.com okay. you can find yeah. all the dates on there Great. All right. Well, good to speak to you, Phil, and uh, hopefully our paths will cross and we'll see yeah, you this that winter was an as absolute well. Pleasure. So the Take the easy, specific buddy. date that you recorded that, Ian, was the 17th of the 10th, 2018. And that's important because you talked a lot about smoking weed in that. We did talk about that, and that just wasn't um, because it cropped up as a, uh, as a, a subject, because he's Canadian. And uh, Canada legalised, not just decriminalised, but legalised cannabis on the 17th of October. Does that make you more or less likely to go skiing in Canada? Uh, It probably doesn't change it. I mean, the fact is, it's quite a long way away. 30 years ago, it might have made a difference, right? Yeah, it's, it's too far away and too expensive for me, unfortunately, at the moment. Uh, you know, I've I've never skied in Canada, and it's uh, definitely on my list. I'd love to uh, to do a tour. I don't know when it will happen, but one day it'll happen. But it probably I probably won't be um, doing too much smoking when I'm when I'm skiing over there. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like the fact that he called it Cal Cheval. I like that. Right. So close. Yes. Um, and what's interesting, Ian, is that. Um, on the Piste, uh, who uh, organises the tours, yes, um, is run by a guy called Richard Letts. Do you mean? Do you mean taking the Piste? Taking the Piste. Yeah, because that's a joke as well, isn't it? Taking. Yeah, it is taking the Piste. Yeah. yeah, it's very good. Uh, not as good as your joke that you he's told him. Yeah, which I did make up. You did make up, did you? No. Wow. I'd like to see you working out on that. Yeah. Um, I once wrote to Richard Lett, who organised oh, yeah. Taking the Piste, um, asking if um, it was a proper Dear Jim, Will You Fix It letter. Yeah. Dear Richard, will you fix it for me to play a gig, uh, do an open mic session um, uh, at one of the Taking the Piste gigs yeah. in Maribel one year? Uh, he politely declines my offer. Really? But you did stand-up comedy for a while, didn't you? Yeah, you wouldn't be able to tell it from what we do here. Um, <laughs> and there's a re- there's a reason I don't do it anymore, Ian. It's because it wasn't very funny. Yeah, well, I think um, I think Rich uh, missed out. Maybe there's still that opportunity. Now you've kind of re-established a relationship, we could uh, yeah. get you a gig. What do you think? So, Rich, if you're listening, if you're listening, Rich, yeah, I'll um, I'm happy to come out 
Well, I can just drive over from the Clouser. And if you want me to do it just before the audience arrive when there's no one there, that's absolutely fine. <laughs> I can do that. But yeah, I would be keen. I think the listeners would like to listen to it. Uh, yeah, I'd stage. like to listen to it as well. you got all winter to work on your set. So, Ian, that's pretty much all we're going to talk about today. That was I've enjoyed this podcast. How about you? Yeah, good one. Yeah. But we shouldn't forget to mention the, the book club. I left you last week deciding... Um, which book you were going to read out of the two that we um, that we decided on? Yes. What have you gone for? Uh, well, I felt Wall of White uh, sounded uh, the most interesting one uh, of the of the two that uh, that cropped up. Yeah, it's on my mantelpiece. It's ready to be read over my trip to. The you put your books on your mantel mantelpiece. Um, this one is. That's where I opened it from the Amazon parcel. All right. Okay. I have I have started reading it already. Okay, I'll catch up with you. Uh, no spoilers. No spoilers. But um, it's sad that I'm away next week, actually, um, trying to get my children into school and all those boring sorts of things that you have to do. Um, because I'm going to miss yeah. the ski show. Ski festival. Ah, ski, are you? Right. ski something. The London... It's definitely ski and snowboard I'm sure festival. it's not the Southwest London ski show. <laughs> okay, the nope. ski and snow festival. Right, nope. I'm in that. Got it. Yeah. This is why I went. So I'm not allowed to yeah. go anymore because I keep getting it wrong. Are you, are you, anything changed, Ian? Are you still looking forward to it? Got any? Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Um, I think I said that my kids are going to go along on the Friday, uh, and I looked up. Um, you know, Chelsky yep. are there. We've uh, we both been to Chelsky, haven't we? We certainly. or can't remember what episode that was when we interviewed them, but um, fairly early on. But anyway, Chelsky are there with their slope and, uh, you know, you can book in and do a, a free ski session with them. So um, we're going to book in for that. And uh, there's also a thing for the kids where they can um, get uh, a husky sled. It's obviously on wheels rather than on snow, but they can be, you know, towed by huskies. The huskies are on wheels. To, so I'm hoping to get... <laughs> yeah, I know, it's weird. Roller skates, it? little roller skates on huskies. Yeah, exactly. You wouldn't have thought they would need to, but it's going to be so cute seeing those muskies on the uh, yeah, cute. I might even come now. Yeah, but um, yeah, I'm going to um, hopefully get in the door really early uh, using my press pass and then block off loads of sessions for my kids so that the regular public don't get that. So yeah, if you are a member of the regular public, send your complaints to Ian at the Ski Podcast <laughs> if you can't get on anything because he and his family are having a nice time. Yeah. Um, what... yeah. Now, that if you're not going to be there, that is going to make the challenge of that map idea that I was talking about where you map out all the different freebies quite difficult. Yeah, sorry about that, Ian. Because I'd have to do it. I would like yeah. that. Um, it, talking to freebies. If I if I get all the data, you said you might do a spreadsheet so you could kind of you know, create something so that people can work out whether they've got value from the show. Yeah, yet well, send not. it to me and I will work that out. Yeah, okay, I'll do my best and then and then obviously <laughs> record it after the show is finished. <laughs> I don't, and that won't work. Well, yeah, they can still backdate and see if they did get value for money. I think it's a good consumer. Yeah. Um, thing because it's about the consumer this podcast um, Ian yeah. well you'll be you'll be missed uh, Jim um, if you can uh, tell everyone where I am um, that'd be really good um, also can you get me some sunglasses all my free sunglasses I got the last time um, seem to have been lost or broken 
Um, oh, yeah. I especially liked my pink Zermatt ones I had. So if you can pick up me some oh, yeah. free sunglasses, I'd really appreciate it. I'm that. almost certain I can get you some free sunglasses. In fact, I might have some Three Valleys ones uh, left over here somewhere that I could pick Amazing. Out. And also, I definitely need to buy a ski helmet. So if you see any specialists about ski helmets, could you do a little interview with them about the things I need to know when I'm purchasing it? Right, okay. I've made a note Thanks. of that. Right then, should we wrap up now, Ian? Yes. Well, there we go. We're wrapping up. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, thank you, Ian, for joining us. As always, you can tweet the podcast at The Ski Podcast. Find us on Facebook. Uh, you can email ian at theskipodcast.com or jim at the, or is it co.uk, isn't it? I always get this wrong. I should write it down. Well, we've, bought, we've got both domains now, actually, but uh, it is theskipodcast.com. But if they want to email us, it is... Ian uh, at the ski podcast.com or Jim at the ski podcast. Okay, so I was right. This never used to happen on Going Live. I don't remember um, <laughs> Philip Schofield having a chat with Sarah Green about what the actual phone number was. Um, yeah. Maybe we should have a jingle. That's another podcast. Right, so thank you very much for listening and don't forget to listen to all our previous podcasts. Goodbye. That was the Ski Podcast with Jim Duncan and Ian Martin. Uh, Jim edits it together. Ian does other stuff. Don't think he doesn't do anything. And don't forget, we are sponsored by the Chill Factory Manchester's or the Northwest's Indoor Snow Centre. And if you are a Ski Podcast listener, uh, you can get 10% off your next visit by going to the website, booking a ticket, and at the checkout, using the code, capital letters, SKIPOD10. Goodbye.